the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today, uh, we have got a Don Naughty episode for you. <laughs> it's a good old Don Nuts. We are going to be talking the 1964 part live action, part animated film, The Incredible Mr. Limpet. We are also going to be discussing... The uh, thing that everybody knows Don Knotts for, which is the Andy Griffith show, where he played Barney Fife. And we are going to do our own recasting of the Andy Griffith show, which I think is particularly interesting. I don't, We haven't done like a sitcom like this in a while. Yeah, and it's particularly difficult, especially with a sitcom that's named after the <laughs> actor. So, I mean, we'll have yeah. to talk about how we, how we would spin this um, when we get to the casting portion. Yeah, maybe just call it. Mayberry, Mayberry 2021. Uh, or 20, sorry, we're in 2022. Yeah. <laughs> um, or something like that, but I don't know. It was a thing back in the day when they had those sitcoms that were named like the Andy Griffith Show, but who the actor or the character was Andy Taylor. Yeah. The Mary Tyler Moore Show, but her name was Mary something else. Yeah. In that show. Like, that's just a thing. I always find that strange. But I guess. It's the same thing, the Cosby show, and he was Huxtable. There you go. That wasn't that unusual. <laughs> yeah, wasn't that unusual. I'm trying to think, uh, was there any in the 90s? Because I know a lot of comedians got sitcoms in the 90s, but I, I don't think a lot of them, uh, it was named after them. I feel like that kind of went away after the 80s, you know. Yeah, because Seinfeld kept his name. Yes, he did. In there. I think most, of, yeah, most since then have pretty much been the same. What was the name of Raymond Romano's show? Everybody Loves Raymond. Okay. So they had his, it, it had his first name, but I can't remember if the character's name was, was the same. I don't think it was Romano. Yeah, I think it was something else, um, but they didn't have that again in the, in the, in the, in the title. title. So yeah, it's just kind of maybe something from back in the day because they were just trying to emphasize, you know, the, the stars. Yeah. And just kind of get that star recognition. So yeah. And speaking of old timey things, 1964, John, this is uh, one of our older episodes. We haven't done an old, old, old movie like this. Uh, for a hot minute, and so um, could you take our minds back to uh, 19 years before I was born, and uh, 14, no, no, 16 years before you were born? Yeah, gosh. So the movie was released on March 28th of 1964. The Billboard Top 100 single of that week would be a Will Dennison favorite. It is She Loves You by The Beatles. She loves you, yeah. Yes, yes, that would be a Will Dennison favorite. Uh, our good buddy, if you guys haven't listened to the Throwback Trivia Takedown, where Will Dennison hosts an episode where John and I go against each other, it is obvious that man loves his Beatles. Yes, and rightfully so, I think. Yeah, they're 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 pretty good. They're okay. <laughs> they're great. Uh, <laughs> topping the Nielsen ratings is actually really no surprise. It's a show we've actually talked about. It was Bonanza. Okay, yeah, very good show. Well, okay show. <laughs> For the time, it was a pretty good show, and it was a uh-huh. very popular show. If you haven't listened to our uh, Billy Jack Bonanza episode with our father, we re-posted uh, it a few weeks ago. Um, yep. I highly recommend you go listen to it because Dad talked about how you know how popular the show really was. Mm-hmm. 
Obviously no video games, but I did find that uh, Parker Brothers had released a board game called Probe, <laughs> which is not what you think. It's it's in my head, buddy. I got a totally. It's basically going on. a mix of Hangman and Scrabble. Okay. So you have to you have a partner and you have to guess what they're saying, but letters are worth points or something like that. Gotcha. Uh, the New York Times bestseller is a book called "The Spy Who Came In from the Cold" by John Le Carre, who is the guy who wrote Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. All right. This book was on the New York Times bestseller forever during that year. I mean, the, the when I was looking it up, the block was like months long. So this was a hugely popular book. Very cool. And uh, my fun fact, 1964 is when the Ford Mustang was introduced. A oh. teacher by the name of Gail Wise was the first ever person to purchase one. Do you want to guess how much it cost her? 1200 bucks. Not quite that cheap, but $3,419. Okay. okay. That's, that's still... Uh, I would... <laughs> yeah, for a brand new Mustang, yes, please. Yeah, absolutely. All right, and that was 1964. All right. Well, without further ado, let's uh, fall into the water and somehow tra- and transmutate into a fish, because uh, that makes sense. And let's talk the incredible Mr. Limpet. All right, The Incredible Mr. Limpet from 1964, based on the 1942 novel Mr. Limpet by a guy named Theodore Pratt. This film is directed by Arthur Lubin, who is a TV director more than anything else. He directed episodes of Maverick, Bonanza, and almost every single episode of Mr. Ed. Oh, wow. So so there you go. He knows his kind of comedy and other stuff like that. Uh, For the cast for this film... Uh, Henry Limpet is played by Don Knotts, as we kind of already mentioned from the Andy Griffith Show. He was in Three's Company, and it's a mad, 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 mad world. Bessie Limpet, his wife, is played by Carol Cook. She was in Sixteen Candles and a lot of smaller parts and a lot of other stuff. Uh, nothing that really stood out to me. Okay. George Stickle was played by Jack Weston. Uh, he was in Dirty Dancing. Um, he was in the original Thomas Crown Affair. And John, you and I might remember him best, honestly, as the villain in Short Circuit 2. Oh, 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 God, what is his name? Because I remember he calls him out. Oscar, you will not get away. I am really pissed off. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Johnny Five gets so angry. I know. I'm getting a, um, a, what's that song that plays behind it? Need a Hero. Need a Hero. Yeah, Need uh, a Hero. I can see that whole scene. That is, yeah. How have we not done any of the short circuit movies yet? It's a, it's um, unfortunate, I, I will say, because, you know, those are classics to us. Both of them. I mean, a lot of people shit on Short Circuit 2, but I'm not going to lie. We love that one. Oh, my gosh. We loved it so hard. Yeah. <laughs> so hard. I love giving it hard love. Okay. Speaking <laughs> of hard love, uh, our next ag- character, Ladyfish, um, who was really only cared about fucking, um, <laughs> was voiced by Elizabeth McRae. Uh, she was in the Gomer Pyle spinoff. So a little tie there to Andy Griffith. Okay. And other, other small parts, things like that. Krusty the Crab was voiced by Paul Freese, who is a strong voice actor. Um, he was Bomber in the uh, Hobbit, the 70s Hobbit cartoon. Okay. He also voiced both, uh, to tie in, hey, more Will Dennison love, voiced both George Harrison and John Lennon in the 1960s Beatles cartoon that <laughs> they had. Nice. And then for most people, he will be well-remembered as Boris Badenov in the Rocky and Bullwinkle franchise. Oh, that's cool. Biggest role for sure. Yeah. I will say, I did not remember this movie at 
all when you put it on the list until I saw a picture of it when I looked it up to start doing some of the research. And I was like, oh, yeah, the Don Knotts fish movie. <laughs> um, and it totally kind of like had had moments in my head mm-hmm. of being like, um, OK, I have absolutely seen this before. But tell me, you know, why are we talking The Incredible Mr. Limpet? So I have a very distinct memory. Of course, I say distinct and I'm going to say it's hazy. I'm like 90 to 89% sure that this is a movie that they showed us when we uh, went to the Country Corner Daycare Center when we were very little. I'm pretty sure this was one that had that was on the rotation of movies because anytime it rained, basically, we would get there after school and then they, you would just play outside. Mm-hmm. That was it. You had to play outside for like four hours or until your parents got there and it was really long and boring. But if it was raining, they would bring you inside and we they'd sit everyone down and put on a movie. Yeah. Or sometimes it, in the afternoon, they'd put us down and we'd watch afternoon cartoons. Actually, I, we watched, I, I have a memory of watching like James Bond Jr. and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles more at the daycare center than mm. I think we actually did at home. Okay. Because um, they would show us that in the afternoon. But this is a movie yeah. that I'm, I am positive was one of the ones that they would show us. Yeah, we talked a little bit about that um, when we talked to Land Before Time, because I, I remember Land Before Time being played a lot as well, but mm-hmm. you're right, because I have a memory of this film, I, but I don't remember it watching it at home, right. so I, I'm with you, I'm, I'm almost dead certain it had to be at Country Corner. Yeah, so this probably was one of the teacher's favorite films, or honestly, it was just one they probably got and were like, well, it's safe, there's cartoons in it, we're just going to make the kids sit down and shut up. Yeah, yeah and it usually did. Mm-hmm. That's how we do it, so. Um, and one other thing is, this film, we honestly, John and I kind of went back and were like, you know, oh, this is not on Disney Plus. No, it's not a Disney movie, though it has a feel of a Disney movie um, because it mixes that live action animation, very similar to like a Mary Poppins. But it's not. It is a Warner Brothers. Um, but this movie is, uh, you can rent it like on Amazon Prime or Apple TV or something like that. But it's not on streaming anywhere right now. Yeah. This was the last movie that the Warner Brothers animation studio did before it was shut down. Okay. So after this, I think they uh, outsourced oh. any animation past that. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Because I was like, yeah, they kept doing animated movies or animated things, but okay, but yeah, they outsourced them to different production companies or animated studios. Okay. Yeah. Okay, all right. Um, anything else before we go into our scene-by-scene breakdown? No. All right. All right, then let's just get it going, because um, we've got... We've got a lot to talk about with this movie. (laughs) After some animated titles, we start off uh, in a top secret restricted military area and two men are talking about some research the military has found out about about porpoises porpoises are getting super intelligent and they're like what the hell's going on is he teaching them is this is this person teaching him and there's kind of a little bit of mystery here mm-hmm. and we find out that the person you know that are, that they're trying to find that they think is teaching these porpoises tricks or whatever the heck it is is this guy henry limpet and so they flash back thinking about Henry. We see him in an accounting office in 1941. He really wants to get into the Navy, but he can't because of his poor eyesight and his overall scrawniness and just, you know, bad equilibrium, as he says, and stuff like that. After work, he stops, you know, we see him. He's in love with fish in like this pet shop, um, and he really, really enjoys fish for some reason. You know, he gets home, and uh, this friend of his from the Navy, George, George Stickle, is there, and George is immediately an asshole. Like, I immediately hated fucking George. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, that didn't change throughout the entire movie. <laughs> he was not nice, really. No. He was a jerk 
to to Henry almost the entire time, just kind of like being that I don't know. I mean, you see it in a lot of movies and other stuff where like these these bigger but also dumber, but also somehow he always like fails upward kind of guy, <laughs> and yet yet he always like blasts the nerdy scrawny guy. Right. But somehow uh, Henry, you know, is married. And he's he, we see his wife Bessie, attractive, yeah, female. Um, she seems like a generally a nice person, mm-hmm. but she is bored with Henry because Henry doesn't take her out dancing, doesn't you know take her out to do anything. Um, he just wants to basically stay home and spend the time with his fish and and just kind of be a, a little nerdy guy. And so she's grown tired of that. We see her and George, you know, wanting to go out and do stuff, but um, Henry kind of begrudgingly will do that in a bit mm-hmm. we also see henry is just super smart guy he's quoting all these books has all these like uh, these pull down things that break apart all the different paleozoic eras and stuff <laughs> like that um so he's just like a very smart dude uh he then explains the whole theory of evolution to george like hey fish are cool right we we came from fish and i'm like woo, 1964 i'm honestly surprised that they even <laughs> talked about this in a movie that's true well, it was Hollywood, which is Hollywood is a very has always been fairly progressive, fairly, fairly. <clears throat> and he kind of mentions that he uh, he wishes he was a fish, and then we get a song also sung by Don Knotts about <laughs> wanting to be a fish. I wish, I wish, I wish I were a fish, cause fishes have a better life than people. They don't have all the care and strife of people. A fish can swim, that's all they ask of him. A fish is free to roam. Not a good song. No, no. Um, and to come out of that song, we see Henry accidentally like spills water all over the ground and over the floor on the carpet and whatnot, and Bessie's pissed off, and she basically gives him an ultimatum, the fish or me. And so, unfortunately, he picks Bessie, and we see the three of them at Coney Island, because that's where she wanted to go out wanted to do something the next day, and Henry's sad about having to have left his fish. You know, he, he's mostly just sitting at, standing at the dock and, and, you know, wanting to stare at the stuff. We see George talking, just again, talking shit about how awesome it is being in the service and how many U-boats there are in the Atlantic when they were on, like, their, on the subway drive to Coney Island. Mm-hmm. Again, this guy just boasts, and I don't, I do not care for him. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised at the end, and I'll just say it now, I'm surprised George and Bessie, we didn't see them get together. I assume they do, though. You know what? I kind of, I was expecting that. I was expecting that to happen. I didn't remember what happened between them, but in my head, um, when we, you know, when we eventually lose Henry, I was like, "Oh, George and and Bessie are gonna get together," and then that. Well, I thought I, I thought they were gonna like get together that night oh. <laughs> or for very soon. <laughs> they seemed uh, they seemed pretty. They seemed like they were making a connection. But Bessie does, um, as we see later, you know, she kind of has visions of her old husband and and gets gets upset whenever they mention his name. Mm-hmm. So she misses him which we haven't talked about that yet. <laughs> At Coney Island, uh, Henry's got this book called The Theory of Reverse Evolution. And as we know, he wants to reverse evolve. He wants to go back <laughs> to a fish. He ends up leaning over too much, maybe on purpose, maybe not. And he falls into the water. George goes in after him, but he swims around. He can't find him. And as Don Knotts, as Henry sinks down, we cut to animation and somehow magically... Was it radiation in in the water? I don't know, but he was turned into a fish. I like to think it was just the power of wishing. I like to think 
it was him drowning. And in his last delusional moments, the rest of this movie plays out in his head as he is dying, sinking underwater. So it's basically an animated Jacob's Ladder. It's exactly <laughs> what this is. That's exactly what is going on here. All this other shit. He gets what he wants. He gets to be a fish. He also gets to help out with the Navy and be a hero. All of this is happening in the last split seconds um, in his brain as it's like, you know, as, as he is choking and suffocating from being drowning. Drowned. Right, let's go with that. I, I, it's the only thing that makes sense. Nothing else is explained. But yeah, whatever. Uh, so yeah, George couldn't find the body, of course. He did end up seeing a fish with his with Henry's glasses on it. Thought that's kind of strange, but whatever. I mean, of course, who would think that that would be actually Henry? Mm -hmm. So we see see Henry kind of uh, swimming all over, running into new sea life. I do remember a pretty memorable shot. I don't know why. Once the shot came up, it was like a small fish getting eaten by a little bit of a bigger fish and then eaten by a little bit of a bigger fish and then eaten by an even bigger fish. For some reason, that one kind of stuck in my head. I was like, oh, I've seen that shot before. He eventually runs into this hermit crab named Krusty, who is... Precocious little crotchety old man crab kind of thing, and it just kind of becomes his buddy. I didn't really watch this with my kids. Um, okay, I had to watch this yesterday, and my son was sick, so he was kind of sequestered in his room. My wife and daughter were off watching some anime thing that they've been watching, but my daughter did walk in a few times when the crab and they mentioned his name is Krusty. She went crazy. It's like it's Krusty the crab. <laughs> like, no, wrong one. Uh, was that from? SpongeBob. Uh, SpongeBob. Yeah. 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 And then a shark swims by, and we get another weird thing that came about with this transformation. He can shoot these, ma- he does this big yell, and like it's a big sound wave that comes out of Henry whenever he wants to do it, and it pushes the shark back. <laughs> and it also uses it to ward off an octopus. I could have used something to explain that or <laughs> explain what, that because it, it just came again, you know, okay, so he just turns into a fish. All right, I'll I'll kind of allow that. But then I also just I now also have to allow allow okay, I guess through this reverse evolution, he has the power the the superpower of supersonic mega waves or they, something. They call it a thrum. A thrum, yeah. Which is, the definition of a thrum is a continuous rhythmic humming sound. Okay. I mean, it was more of a blast of a sound. It does not really describe what he was doing. No. It was like a hung, <laughs> and then it blew people away or whatever. I but. watched it with the with the, the the captions on, and it kept saying roar. Roar? Okay, it is more <laughs> it, of a roar. It's definitely more of an underwater roar than it is a thumb. Yeah, but, th- but there's a power to it. Like I said, it, it blasted a shark back and octopus back and yeah. other stuff. Um, but yeah. All right, so Krusty joins Limpet on his journey because he wants to find other fish like him. So they end up uh, finding this sunken freighter, uh, which apparently had cargo for the Allies. Uh, they see their reflections. He sees his reflection in a mirror in that boat as well, or in the underwater freighter. Kind of sees what he's kind of now looks like. Then he hears something, and he finds a fish on a fisherman's line. And so he goes and saves her. He cuts the line. He uh, talks to her, and it's this attractive fish i guess it's one he's attracted to and he names her ladyfish because she's a fish and she doesn't know the meaning of names but somehow crusty knows the meaning of names <laughs> well i mean it hermit crabs are decidedly more intelligent than uh neon pink fish i think that's been established <laughs> oh, yeah of course it has been established and you can tell that there is like sexual attraction for this fish right away my head is okay henry is 
I know he's now been a fish, but it, in all intents and purposes, his brain is still very much human. Right. Are you? And so I would. <laughs> Go ahead. Are you going to ask me whether has he always been sexually attracted to fish? Yes! Dude, it's like his leap to wanting to fuck that fish came real quick. Yeah. <laughs> so that's exactly like there had to be something like that that moved pretty fast. <laughs> that it it did. And he it was weird cuz he he was like hesitant but not hesitant. Mm-hmm. At the same time, and I'm like, exactly. Did did you did your brain like did you just automatically go into fish mode, or have you always been in fish mode? Yeah. <laughs> so, Ladyfish though is also not. She's not hesitant at all. She wants to take him to the spawning grounds. She is ready for that. Which, to be cool. fair, I mean, when the fish is ready to spawn, that's reasonable. I, exactly. I, I can mean, th- I can forgive that. Their brains don't work like ours. Their brains work. You know, in a way of just like, you know, eat, sleep, fuck, yeah. eat, sleep, fuck. Like the animal brains don't think like ours for, for the majority. Do, do fish sleep? I don't know. Sure. Okay. I I, re- I honestly have no idea. Okay. We see George and Bessie. Uh, there was, like, I wrote constantly flirting. Like they're still flirting with them. But, uh, but then Bessie gets sad when Henry's name gets mentioned. So, okay, there's still feelings for her lost love and... Uh, we then see a barracuda that comes after Henry and Ladyfish. He uses his voice to save them. And then they leave to go fuck. And they're going <laughs> to start heading to the to the spawning grounds. Henry is all for it. Um, and we get a song about lovers. Deep as the sea That our true love should be And such a love is mine is as timeless as forever you and i'm like what the fuck <laughs> like <laughs> man he did move fast and it's uh, this whole song i'm just supposed to believe that now yep he has fallen in love with this fish so quickly uh, <laughs> it's just nuts but then he does eventually we see little cut-ins of you know him thinking about his wife of bessie and he feels guilty and so, um, you know, he doesn't want to go fuck and, and, you know, he talks to Ladyfish about it and she's like, no, I don't care. And he was all like, what, you know, have you just been banging every fish down here? And she's like, no, I've been too young. And I'm like, oh God, now, now that they didn't need to include that, but they, they specifically mentioned that, oh, she was too young before, but now she's ready for her first time and it's with you. And I'm just like, oh, you're this gross old human who now wants to fuck a, a virgin, barely legal fish. I'm getting uh, images of the song uh, 17 yeah. by like Winger. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> She's only 17. Exactly. And you're like, when you think when you think about that song, you're like, okay, oh, wow, she, oh, she's only 17. She's too young for you. And then you're like, oh, wait, no, that's perfect for you. Gross. <laughs> Gross song. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, so I looked it up. While fish do not sleep in the same way that land mammals do, most fish do rest, but they don't close their eyes because most fish don't have eyelids like that eyelids okay so they'll just All like right. float in place or like wedge themselves in a secure spot or something like that mm. um okay but that also means that there are some fish that do not rest and just go constantly constantly yeah. which sounds exhausting uh, yeah no thank you but again their brains aren't as developed so they probably don't need that sleep like we do right obviously Ladyfish swims off on her own at one point, you know, because Henry isn't going to bang her. And then he decides, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go after Ladyfish. And uh, he starts to head out and he 
can't find her, you know, even using his big old his big old wave calls or whatever you want to call them, his thrums. A German U-boat picks up the sounds of his kind of roars, his thrums, and they're not sure what it is. Henry here then hears a radio station on a boat that tells him the U.S. has entered the war. Basically, that Pearl Harbor happened and the U.S. is entering the war. And so now he wants to join the Navy in his current state as a fish. <laughs> in his head, he wants to join the Navy. All right. Well, they did establish at the beginning of the movie that he wanted. He was trying to join the Navy and it was denied. Yes, but now he very was, much like uh, Captain America. Oh, he is. He is the original Captain America. <laughs> Wow, I didn't think of it that way. Who was also transformed. Who <laughs> was. Uh, Henry leaves Krusty and goes off. He finds a U.S. battleship that is constantly missing. They're trying to hit this U-boat, which is, honestly, the U-boat was must have been really close to U.S. waters. Uh, I don't know. I don't think German U-boats ever got that close to U.S. waters. But according to this movie, they were like right off the shore. I wouldn't put it past them. It's very possible. Stuff that we don't know about. Yeah. So, um, but Henry talks to the people on the battleship. There's like some microphone underwater. And of course they don't believe him and he's trying to help them and he won't really tell them, Hey, I'm a fish just yet. Um, but he eventually does get them and guides them and they kill and they hit the U-boat. So they, at first they don't really trust his voice, but uh, Henry says, hey, I want to talk to George Stickle. So you talk, get him for me, and then we will continue this discussion. And I'll help you find U-boats. So the Navy has to go talk to their main admiral who does allow this. And so they get this meeting to happen with George and the voice slash Henry. And so they take George out to the water and Henry talks to him, tells him who he is, doesn't believe him. But of course, he tells him all these stories about, you know, only things that he would remember. And so he eventually shows him that he's a fish and... And George believes him. Oh, my God. The uh, Admiral agrees to let them, and they spot U-boats. And George is basically the intermediary, where he'll talk to Henry. And they go around fucking up a whole bunch of U-boats. <laughs> we get a little montage of that. They put a they put a lot of faith in uh, Pickle. I mean, Stickle. Yeah, they really do. <laughs> Thank you. Good job. That's what the, uh, uh, the, uh, like the main guy on the... <laughs> carrier or whatever yeah, calls him because yes he's a and he's a doofus like one just george talked to them but he's it's his friend so he wants to help him so yeah they all end up kind of getting promoted and whatnot down the line because you know they're killing all these nazis <laughs> but also the nazis hear about this quote-unquote limpet i'm guessing from a spy or something and so they create a torpedo that can lock in on his thrum sound and it will uh home home in on that and it will kill him henry has a couple demands he wants money for his wife, for Bessie, which, okay, I can kind of guess that he's now helping the, the Navy. And guess what? The Navy has plenty of money to fucking pay him a salary mm -hmm. and give it to her. Um, and also he wants to become a lieutenant, <laughs> which is a little bit more strange. But they eventually agree and uh, he gets to be a lieutenant fish. George has to kind of explain to Bessie you know, why she's receiving these checks mm -hmm. uh, from the Navy, which he does, and he tells her the truth. And I'm just like, dude, George, just say that he's been working undercover this whole fucking time, and this is like the pension after he died or something. Don't say he's turned into a fish. <laughs> Don't you think it would have just been easier if they let Bessie believe he was dead the whole time? Because he's a fucking fish. <laughs> I, it probably would have been easier, yes. <laughs> yeah. 
But Bessie wants Henry to be turned back into a human, uh, which the Navy can't fucking do, of course. <laughs> but um, and also they don't want to do it because he's so valuable to them as a fish because they've been blowing up all these Nazi U-boats. Uh, we get a song of him being a super doodle dandy uh, because he's helping out with this war effort. He's the pride of the Navy and the salt of the sea. You can tell he's a hero all the way. He's the one who But then they, they kind of show him in like a uniform. Yeah, there's this whole montage of him, you know, yes, he's like helping out with Orphan, but then you get him in like this this suit of like, you know, Navy suit and all this other shit yeah, as a human. But the funny thing is, is the suit he was wearing is a Commodore Royal Naval Maritime uniform. Royal means it was British. Oh, <laughs> So he wore the wrong fucking, they put him, the costume department fucked up. Like, oh, this looks Navy enough. Let's just give him that. Yeah, that's ridiculous. So um, uh, this big convoy is about to happen and they really need Henry to help, you know, bring these U.S. ships safely across the Atlantic where they know there's a bunch of U-boats that could fuck them up. Henry, though, unfortunately loses his glasses right in this time. And so he can't go over to help because he needs to find his glasses or else he won't be able to see. Then Ladyfish kind of, you know, happenstance swims by Krusty and Krusty tells her what Limpet had told him earlier, which is, you know, tell her I love her. And she's like, oh, my God, he loves me. Uh, okay. Um, I had a question. Yes. <laughs> so do you think so we know that Henry can talk to both? Well, some animals, not all animals talk to him. Now, maybe they don't want to or maybe they can't. I don't know. Right. And then he talks to humans. Now, do we think Krusty could talk to a human? Because he talks very perfectly to Henry, and then Henry talks to humans. Do you think Krusty could talk to a human? Through the transverse property, he should be able to, right? Uh, I'm going to go with no. I mean, it doesn't make sense, but other fish don't say a word. And so I'm like, I don't think other ones can talk. I agree. I feel like that the rules set in this world are very just convenient for the story. (laughs) True. (laughs) <laughs> that is 1960s writing for you, I can yep. tell you. We get no real explanation as to how he turned into a fish. Um, no explanation for the thrum. No explanation for why he turned into a fish, yet still needed his glasses. I agreed. <laughs> and then no explanation for why he can talk to both fish and humans, but only some fish, <laughs> and the other fish can't talk to humans. Yeah, yeah. So, All right, so uh, these U-boats are uh, going after Limpet, and they can, you know, hear his thrum or whatnot. He still can't find his glasses. Ladyfish hears his sound that he's making because he's trying to, you know, contact the the convoy of American ships. And she goes to him. The the Navy's still kind of worried about where he is. So Krusty says he'll be Henry's eyes. So he hops on top. He grabs this little cup that he found as protection, (laughs) little armor. He heads out. They go to find him. Ladyfish, though, again... (laughs) She has she has very single-minded motivation in this film because she just constantly just is all she cares about is fucking, you know, and it's all she kind of brings up is she wants to go to the spawning ground and all that kind of well, stuff. I I'm mean, like, okay, that's, that's that is, you know, her, her, her not evolution, but uh, instincts. Those are her, yeah. her animalistic instincts kicking in. Yeah. So uh, Henry and Krusty go head out and uh, Ladyfish is there kind of waiting. 
Henry makes a sound to con- con- contact the convoy, um, but the boat, the U-boats hear him too. They do make it to the convoy, but a torpedo was sent, and he has to use his thrum sound to coax the torpedo away from, you know, the U.S. boats, and because of its homing signal, will come after him, and he, of course, uses it to kind of dodge out of the U-boat in the last fashion and heads and and steers the um, torpedo right back to the U-boat. He does this again and again. He's basically killing all these Nazis and and U-boats with their own torpedoes. He does it again and again and again, and he pretty much single-handedly beats all the U-boats and kills countless people. (laughs) Now, it's wartime, so I get it, but that's that's what he's doing. Yeah. He goes back to Ladyfish, but he says he needs to get permission from his wife before he can fuck the fish. Um, (laughs) So he goes to Coney Island. George brings Bessie to the pier. They talk to each other. They say their goodbyes. She gives him a spare of glasses. You know, they kind of agree their marriage wouldn't work anymore. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Duh. We, We then assume... That I'm assuming that Bessie and George go off and live a happy life together, and Henry fucks the fish at the spawning <laughs> ground. <laughs> that's what that's what goes on. We return to kind of you know quote unquote you know current day, and we see that older Navy boss, um, the guy who was kind of like the head of the ship, and also an older George. They're trying to see it is it Henry who has been teaching these porpoises, and so they go out on the boat with also like this older admiral guy. Um, that we had seen earlier, they are talking and promoting Henry to Commodore (laughs) and they're promoting him and he responds with the sound of that thrum. So we know it's him, even though we kind of stay on the shot of the Navy guys. And so, yes, he is teaching porpoises and that is the end of the movie. And we end with another crappy song. All the songs in this movie suck. By the way, uh, how fish reproduce is the females drop eggs into the water, and then the oh. male fish basically just ejaculates sperm on them. <laughs> so he doesn't even get to fuck the fish? No, he just basically just, has to- He's fucking eggs. He's, he's jerking off on the eggs. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds fun. Everyone's got their kink, Adam. Everyone's got their kink. Everyone's got their kink. I am going to start things off, if that's okay with you. Yeah, go ahead. I didn't think it was possible. (laughs) Wow. I cannot believe this happened. But, John, we found a movie worse (laughs) than Baby Secret of the Lost (laughs) Legend. Now, I do try to take into light. This is from 1964. Mm -hmm. And I can understand as a kid, you know, the live action mixed with animation has its intrigue to it. And, you know, you let a lot of stuff slide as a kid. Yeah. But watching this as a 36-year-old man, what the fuck, man? <laughs> what the fuck? This this movie explains nothing. The songs suck. And none of it is good. None of it is good. I don't care about the relationship, honestly, between Henry and his wife. I don't care about the relationship between Henry and the fish he wants to fuck. Lady fish. <laughs> like... George, he helps out George and gets him promoted, and George is an asshole the whole fucking time. I hate his friend, and I don't care about him. And then George gets to fuck his wife. And then George gets to fuck his wife, and he gets promoted into who knows what as well. 
In a world where Mary Poppins and Bedknobs and Broomsticks exist, where they did this animation and mix better for like that older time, and they have better songs, you know, for for that age range, that younger age range demographic, this movie is obsolete, completely and utter obsolete. It doesn't tell a good story. The script is awful. Thoroughly disappointed in it. I understand as a kid, you can watch it and let that shit slide, but I can't let it slide now. It's <laughs> garbage um i expected this from you (laughs) i did um and i actually knew going in i was like i'm probably not gonna like this movie again because it's been a lot there was you know a lot of old stuff that i watched that i loved when i was a kid and i thought was hilarious i've watched now and i'm like eh, wasn't great it happened i looked at the time beforehand i was like oh this thing's just over 90 minutes this should be a quick quick movie (laughs) man did it drag yeah (laughs) <laughs> Man, did it drag. Yeah, I mean, I'm basically with you. I'm, I, I don't know that it's worse than Baby Secret Lost Legend. It's definitely equal uh-huh. <laughs> in, in the fact that uh, my nostalgia overran. Now, and that's part of doing this podcast is revisiting these movies. And I, we know they are not all going to be winners. If all we did were movies that we knew were going to be great, it would be kind of boring, I think. Plus, we're we're in a golden age of of like, like streaming and access to all these movies. That if we had tried to do this like 10, 15, 20 years ago, we we wouldn't be able to do this without purchasing a shit ton of DVDs. Yeah, I was happy to go back and revisit this because I did have a definitely strong nostalgic tie to it. But I agree with you; it's not good. It wasn't really fun. I actually found myself nodding off a few times while watching this. <laughs> if you happen to grow up with this movie, and and maybe you're a kid when you saw this, like you know, if you're old enough, if you're one of our older listeners who actually remembers this movie, maybe you do also have a really great nostalgic tie to it, and that's awesome. And that's the only reason why we're doing this. But if you've never seen it, dear God, don't bother. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> true. Totally not worth your time. All right, now we, I think, might be going on the totally end of the other side of the spectrum for nostalgic value right here. Maybe. Uh, And we are going to talk the Andy Griffith show. So, obviously, Don Knotts very, very famously from this show. I think it's definitely his most famous role. The show ran from 1960 to 1968. It had eight seasons, 249 episodes, 159 of those in black and white, and 90 of them in color. Though... I always think of this show as a as as one of, if not the most like iconic black and white shows. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I, I honestly never even knew they did it in color because I just only ever think of the black and white version. Uh, the show was on CBS, and I swear this has to be one of the most syndicated shows in TV history because I feel like it has been constantly on television probably since the day it, it stopped being, you know, on its original run. I agree. And you can probably, I'm sure you can find it on TV somewhere, even now. You're right. It's probably, if you know, I don't have cable, so I, you know, don't. Right. Um, I can't really find it that way, so I have to go through your kind of streaming ways. Um, but it is probably somewhere on somebody's TV, whether it's TV Land, whether it's, you know, one of these other old channels or something like that. There are, there. Are, I found there are a lot of channels that are geared towards, like, generations like you can mm-hmm. tell by the that they're they're just rehashing you know old 80s tv shows or 70s old tv yeah. shows of, of we're finding the older folks who are looking for that nostalgia and 
mm-hmm. we're just going to show them all these shows, yeah. which is cool because I'm sure when those shows went off the air, they probably thought they'd never see them again. True. And here they are being able to, oh, yeah, I watched this show. I watched this show. So th- honestly, for that, I applaud that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a great. And, and there's uh, quite a few of them that are worth watching. Uh, this show was created by Sheldon Leonard, Aaron Rubin, and Danny Thomas. So Aaron Rubin um, was also the creator of the Gomer Pyle spinoff show uh, that came from this one later. He also wrote for Sanford and Son and plenty of other things. Sheldon Leonard was the director and executive producer on uh, shows like Dick Van Dyke. Uh, the Real McCoys, and also on the Danny Thomas show. And that is also where we get the names of the main characters from the Big Bang Theory. See, it's it, it, I see that, but was that is actually pulled? I believe so. I mean, it's it's Sheldon and Leonard. So it's like, if it's it's. I saw that and I was just like, man, that's a little too <laughs> on the nose. Co- coincidental. Yeah, too, too coincidental. So yeah, I would agree that it, yeah, makes sense. Um, and then Danny Thomas was an actor, uh, you know, main producer or whatnot on the Danny Thomas show. Also executive producer on Dick Van Dyke, Real McCoys and the Mod Squad. Oh. So he uh, helped bring in. And actually, Andy Griffith was a spinoff, technically, kind of pretty much technically from the Danny Thomas show because Andy Griffith showed up in a seventh season episode of the Danny Thomas show where Danny is arrested by Sheriff Andy Taylor and detained in the small town of Maybury in an episode entitled Danny Meets Andy Griffith. So that episode aired in February of twenty six of twenty of nineteen sixty. And then the Andy Griffith show premiered in October of nineteen sixty. So it was kind of like, you know, you've seen that in many shows now where they kind of put in, in in like a different show and then they have their own little spinoff, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I mean that's that's how they introduced it, is they found a yeah. popular show agreeing to basically say, We exist in this universe. Yep. There is a wonderful book that Ron and Clint Howard just put out uh, maybe a year or two ago. Um, and it is called The Boys, A Memoir of Hollywood and Family. I got the audiobook, which Ron Howard and Clint Howard uh, narrate. Mm-hmm. And it is a wonderful insight into early Hollywood, or at least like 50s and 60s Hollywood and even 70s Hollywood. The Howard family. Yeah. If you know anything, they're they're all. It was a family of actors. Both Ron and Clint uh, were actors, and then obviously Ron became a very yeah. well respected director. Uh, both of his parents were actors. You see, his dad yeah. Rance was in a whole bunch of stuff. Um, his mom didn't act as much, but uh, if you've ever seen Apollo 13, the lady who plays the grandmother, the one you remember the the two astronauts when when they're like, oh, this is Buzz Aldrin and and. And Neil Armstrong, and she's like, "Are you boys in the space program too?" Yes, that's the- <laughs> that's that is Ron Howard's mother. Oh, that's that's a great line. <laughs> okay, I can't recommend that book enough. It is a wonderful look back. Oh yeah, um, at some of the, that era of Hollywood. Yeah, and they have, I mean, the the knowledge and insights they would have is uh-huh. incredible. Well, and they talked. He Ron Howard talked about how they went on to the Danny Thomas show to introduce the Andy Griffith show, essentially. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. All right, so the cast for the Andy Griffith show. Andy Taylor, as we already mentioned, played by Andy Griffith. If you don't know him from this show, you sure as hell probably know him from Matlock. <laughs> yeah. And then I also recommend uh, there's a movie called Murder in Coweta County uh, that my wife introduced me to. Is a, is a made-for-TV movie, and it's also a book. And so I read that oh. book, and um, he plays uh, actually the villain in that one. You don't. Oh. You do not get to see Andy Griffith as a villain very often. That's cool. I like that. Yep. Um, and so Andy and Andy Taylor is the kind, knowledgeable, level-headed, honest sheriff and father of Mayberry. Mm-hmm. 
Barney Fife is the deputy. He's kind of the goofball sidekick deputy played by Don Knotts uh, that we already mentioned. Don Knotts won five Emmys for his performance as Barney Fife. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Andy Griffith didn't win a single one, but Barney Fife won, but uh, Don Knotts won five. Wow. That's yep. kind of unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, I mean good for Don Knotts, but yeah. Yeah, but I feel like his goofballness works well, you know, when in contrast to the stoic. Um, of course. You know, yeah. So kind of need you both, need, but oh you well. need a straight man. But yeah, that's un- that's unfortunate for Andy Griffith. I think he definitely does. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he ever got a Emmy at, at all in his lifetime, but he definitely deserved one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Opie Taylor, as John already mentioned, played by Ron Howard. And if you don't know Ron Howard from his you know more recent awesome directing, he was also in Happy Days um, and then American Graffiti as well and stuff like yeah. that. He bunch of stuff. Opie was kind of the sweet and innocent, but can be pretty mischievous uh, son, you know, to Andy. Aunt B is played by Frances Bavier or Bavier. Uh, she was in a 50 show called It's a Great Life. Um, I didn't really recognize that or a no. bunch of other small parts, but this is what she's best known for. And yeah. she is the aunt of Andy and the housekeeper also who kind of helps watch Opie and whatnot. Uh, Goober Pile is another one that we're mentioning. <laughs> uh, Goober, I'll say kind of slash Gomer. Goober Pile, though, is uh, played by George Lindsay. He has, was a voice in The Rescuers, a voice in Aristocrats, Aristocats, and a voice in Robin Hood. Oh, nice. And, and they're smaller characters, but they're also fairly memorable characters. So it's like he's one of the vultures in oh, Robin yeah, Hood. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he was like a, a one of the, he was like a rabbit in Rescuers, and I can't remember in Aristocats, but... Um, he was the service agent or ser- the service station attendant along with his cousin Gomer. Uh, so actually, so Gomer Pyle, played by Jim Neighbors, was on the earlier seasons, but he left and did his own thing. And so when he left, they brought in his cousin to take over that spot. And his uh, <laughs> name is Goober, who Goober was in a lot more episodes than yeah. Gomer was. So that's why. Yeah, honestly, that's why I put him on. Mm-hmm. On the cast list because he was on more episodes. Exactly. Gomer's more famous because he went off and had his own show, which and the Gomer Pyle USMC had 150 episodes. Yeah. Uh, I think like five or six seasons or something like that. But yeah, so it was his own big thing. But yeah, so anyway, Goober kind of came in to fill that void when Gomer left to do his own show. And then uh, Floyd Lawson uh, is played by Howard McNear. Um, Howard McNear has been in a few Elvis movies as well as just plenty of other small parts, but he's kind of this absent-minded barber. Did you know, John, that Kurt Cobain must have been a fan <laughs> of the Andy Griffith show? I was going to bring this up. Okay, sorry. I didn't mean to steal your thunder. No, it's on okay. This. Go ahead. But um, on Nirvana's debut album, Bleach, there is a song called Floyd the Barber. And it wasn't until fairly recently that I put those two together. I wasn't until I did this research that I I had put those two together. So that's pretty cool. And there were a lot of guest stars. I mean, this was a big popular show. It was a massively popular show. Um, So it would get guest stars. uh, Bill Bixby, who was the Incredible Hulk. Bob Denver. Rance Howard, of course, made a couple. Jack Nicholson Mm. was on an episode. Rob Reiner. Don Rickles and Lee Van Cleef, uh, who was in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. He was Angel. Yeah. Eyes. The show itself, um, if people don't know The Andy Griffith Show, which I'd be shocked if no one knows The Andy Griffith Show, but it revolves around Sheriff Andy Taylor in the small town of Mayberry, which 
iconic show, but Mayberry itself is very iconic to where I feel like people will use the term Mayberry for any old small town that still has like that 50s, 60s feel. And Andy Griffith modeled the town after his hometown. Okay, which is in North Carolina, right? I don't remember the name of the city. Yeah, I can't remember exactly either, but yeah, somewhere in the the south, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I remember when I got, when I moved here to LaGrange, um, some people were just like, yes, you know, some of the older people in town don't like all the kind of the new developments and stuff are coming. They just want this to stay like Mayberry. And I'm just like, oh, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. I mean, I get that, but it (laughs) is a reference. So basically it's just like Mayberry is just the perfect little nothing bad happens kind of wonderful little small town feel. So Wonderful podunk backfield. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Equally as iconic, I would say maybe more iconic than just the town of Mayberry is the intro. is it just catchy you get that whistle tune and you get andy and opie just going down to the fishing hole and it's just like yep. i swear hell you see that all the time you get that in your head just from like honestly just from having like tv land on the or you know nick at night on or something like that right you know you'd get that opening and it'd just be like oh yeah fuck the andy griffith show in in one whistle you know exactly what's happening oh yeah any and anytime anyone mentions the andy griffith show i'm i'm overcome with a a desire to start whistling the theme song <laughs> yeah cuz it is so memorable fun kind of fun little fact about the the intro in the first season ron howard was not able to actually throw the rock where they wanted so there's a guy hiding behind the bush and when he goes to throw the rock the other guy times it so that he throws the rock to land in the uh in the lake at the right time. Okay, because his he was just too much of a kid. He couldn't. He couldn't. Yeah, I mean, he was it. like was six, seven years old or something. Yep. Yeah, I think it was six when he started. So yeah, though. So just to talk a little bit about the popularity of the Andrew Griffith Show, there is still an annual festival uh, held each year, and okay, it's called Mount Airy, North Carolina, which is his hometown of Andy Griffith, of Andy Griffith uh, that holds Mayberry Days. So they still hmm. honestly do a little festival to this show and the Andy Griffith show when it let or when it ended. So it ended after eight seasons because Andy Griffith left the show. Um, Mm -hmm. And then they did a different kind of spinoff, which I'll talk about in a second. But this show was in the top 10 through its entire run, never ranking lower than seventh place in its yearly rankings. And when they ended the show in 1968, it was at the top of the Nielsen ratings. It was number one. Mm-hmm. being only one of three shows in history to end while at top. Do you know the other two besides the Andy Griffith show? I'm guessing Seinfeld is one of them. Yes, Seinfeld is one of because them. Because I, I remember them specifically saying that he wanted to go out while he was on top. Yep, and so I, I'll give you a hint. The other one was actually came before the Andy Griffith show. Oh, before the Andy Griffith show. Um, I Love Lucy? I Love Lucy. All right. Good call. That sounds like a trivia question. It sounds like a great trivia question. As I mentioned, after eight seasons, Andy Griffith left the show, and so they couldn't call it the Andy Griffith show anymore. (laughs) So basically, that show ended, and then they started up a new show called Mayberry RFD. And Mayberry RFD uh, lasted 
three seasons, 78 more episodes, and it starred Ken Berry and Buddy Foster, who replaced, you know, Andy and Opie. Uh, these new characters were called Sam and Mike, and so they were the new father-son duo uh, that came in and kind of ran Mayberry. So, And we already mentioned Gomer Pyle was another show as a spinoff with Jim Neighbors. Had another 150 episodes with that show. Very popular character. Then in 1986, there was a made-for-TV movie called Return to Mayberry, where pretty much everybody came back and kind of told, like, you know, one last little story of Mayberry. Mm -hmm. I didn't watch that. Of course not. And I will say, I had a tough time finding episodes because there are things that are streaming on, but it's all services that I don't pay for, and it's ones that I didn't want to sign up for. Okay. So I ended up just watching some some clips on YouTube. YouTube does not have full episodes that I found. Um, I didn't check Daily Motion, but I probably should have. Um, what about you? Did you uh, end up? I, so I watched what I could, but I didn't really end up watching an entire episode. I'm looking right now because I, I found it on streaming. Oh. Yeah, it's on Prime. What? Oh, damn it. It didn't. I looked. Uh, just Watch doesn't tell me that it was on Prime, so I didn't yeah. even search that. Yeah, it's on Prime. Well, damn it, I would have watched an entire episode. <laughs> and I would have watched an entire episode because I'm just going to go ahead and say, I enjoyed myself watching watching the clips that I did. Yeah, it's a it's a cute little sitcom show. I watched uh, a few, I watched like the first three episodes and I kind of jumped around to a couple more different episodes. And, you know, like any sitcom, some, some held my attention, some didn't. You know, not everyone, not every yep. single episode is going to be winners. I, you know, I tried to look for, you know, like, what are some of the best rated episodes? And I, I got to not trust people's opinions on stuff because the, <laughs> the, the one the one that I was watched is like the best rated one had to do with uh, Aunt B not being able to make pickles correctly. And so, like, they're everyone's like they're trying to get rid of Aunt B's pickles without hurting her feelings. So, like, literally, they're giving them to people that they pull over on the side of the road. So, like, Barney pulls someone over. Okay. And he's like, was I speeding? He goes, no, we just wanted to congratulate you for being a good driver. Here's a jar of pickles. Okay. So trying to get rid of a, just yeah. to not hurt her feelings. So I think there's a lot of good messages in the show. Mm-hmm. It was still f- relatively funny. And yeah, I had, I had no problems watching them. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in a lot of these older shows I have trouble with because, you know, either just their, their stories aren't as well flushed out or anything like that. But this one I thought was a, a sweet kind of, Goofy yet wholesome comedy that I appreciated. Yeah. Now, is it a product of its time? Of course it is. Yeah. But uh, this is a show I could see having on in the background and me being content. You know, I'd probably play on my phone for a bit, but I'd also just have it on and be like, okay, I'm I'm happy with this there. Yeah. So, yeah, solid, solid thumbs up for, uh, for the Andy Griffith show for me. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... Paul Ben Hard to Store cereal boxes out! Barney, what are you doing? Aunt B, I brought you the new post-compact box. New compact box? Looks smaller. Well, it holds the same amount exactly. See, it's made compactly to store easy on the shelf. My, my, post cereals are always so wonderful. Now in the new post-compact boxes. Easy to store on the shelf. My, my. All right. Now, as we mentioned at the top, we are going to somehow recast the Andy Griffith show, even though Andy Griffith will not be on this show. No. <laughs> but essentially, we're recasting the story, the characters, the setting. Just calling it Mayberry might be a, a good idea. But 
I didn't want to recast The Incredible Mr. Limpet, and I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're going to go through the task of casting Andy Griffith. Uh, and the characters that we're going to cast are Andy Taylor, Barney Fife, Opie Taylor, Aunt B. I put Goober Pile, but you could probably interchange Gomer Pile if you really wanted to. I think they're almost the exact same character. Yeah, I, if you just name it Gomer Pile, it'll probably be more famous. So, uh, And then Floyd the Barber, because why not? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Adam, how did you envision your version of this? I envisioned it as being a somewhat modern update, but I'd say it's it's what it's going to be is it's going to be a town, a small town in more modern times. So I envisioned a little bit more, um, more of a diverse cast, mm-hmm. but I did set it kind of in the U.S., but in a small, maybe a small dying town in the U.S. that still kind of has heart. But, you know, it's not just a, a whole white town like Mayberry. Right. Uh, all right. Well, let's go ahead. Oh, I should probably say mine, too. Um, largely, I would say the same. Oh, God. With the cast I have, I'm not sure this would end up being a TV show. This might be like a limited run series or hmm. maybe even like a, a movie or like a TV movie or something like that. Oh, wow. So you have a big, some big name. I have a, I, God, I got a lot of big names in here. Okay. I do not. <laughs> So yours is probably more likely. It's my, mine's much more of a TV TV casting. show. Yeah. Okay. You know what? I mean, even with this cast, man, maybe I turn it into like a like an American horror story, like a horror. <laughs> okay. Interesting. <laughs> like a murder mystery in Mayberry. Okay. Uh, probably not. I, I there's I have some funny people in here, so uh, let's go ahead and start with Floyd Larson, aka Floyd the Barber. Uh, I'll go ahead and jump in with mine. There's a lot of different actors you could put in this. For some reason, my head went to this actor who I find great. He can do both drama and comedy. Uh, I made Lawrence Fishburne my Floyd the Barber. Okay. Yeah. And I, you see him, uh, you know, in um, sitcoms nowadays with uh, Blackish. He does a great mm-hmm. job in Blackish. And I think he would be a very, I could totally see him sitting at the barber's table or barber's chair and just adding a lot of humor um yeah but he could he could fit whatever you need absolutely i really like that call oh cool all right well who did you go with um i kind of went a similar route where i wanted uh, a little bit of diversity i also went with an older black actor for my floyd hudson someone who i've seen kind of play straight man but also comedy stuff before um i think he could give me whatever i needed i went with ernie hudson as my floyd lawson i love that pick okay i love that pick such an underrated actor who i felt mm-hmm. like got really pigeonholed uh for his one iconic character at this point yeah i would be very happy to see ernie hudson cool. on a show like this yeah oh yeah absolutely uh all right uh goober slash gomer pile <laughs> this was the one i had the actual hardest time okay casting so i'm gonna have you say who you went with first sure um i wanted it a comedic actor. You got obviously this person has to act like a goofball. Yeah, because that's exactly what they are. And so I went with a, a younger comedian who has actually gotten quite famous for some of his comedic songs, and maybe I would tie that into this show. Um, but I've also seen him acting just very goobery and very, <laughs> very goofbally. Um, and I think he could kind of do this, you know. You know, this ridiculous kind of comedy that that you would want for your Goomer Gober. 
Gomer Goober, whatever, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> uh, I went with Bo Burnham as my Gomer pile. Okay. I actually thought you were going a different route. I oh. thought you were actually going to name the actor who I picked. Ah, okay. Uh, who is also known for some silly songs. Uh-huh. But I went with Andy Sandberg. Oh, okay. He also can act like a goof. Absolutely acts like a goof uh, a lot of the times. Okay. Wow, Bo Burnham, that's a... See, I, I only know him for his songs. I've never seen him act. Yeah, I, I've seen like some pictures, some stuff from him, and yeah, he's he's definitely got some goof to him goof to him okay yeah i think we actually kind of went with some similar people there okay yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. like the way you were describing him I'm like oh god he went with the same actor as me <laughs> no it's perfect That's yeah similar either way yep. uh all right aunt b adam do you remember aunt b's in athens did you ever go with us to aunt b's oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. There, oh wait wait um I mean, I remember it. I must have gone because I totally remember. So, you mentioned that. Yeah, it was a restaurant kind of in the southern part of uh, Clark County where Athens is. Athens, Clark County, whatever they call it. Um, and it was basically like a southern, yeah, you know, meat and two veg type. It was ba- well, it, it was that or like um, like a buffet, it was mm-hmm. like a country buffet. That's probably a better way to describe yeah. it. Yeah, where you just kind of you went in. They just had a whole bunch of stuff at a you know at a buffet station. You just grabbed what you wanted and sat mm-hmm. down. And um, I remember. Uh, us going there with dad whenever mm-hmm. he would visit he would want to go there for yeah breakfast or you know sunday lunch or something like that it was okay yeah you know it was you know wasn't anything like amazing but it was it was good yeah anyway uh aunt b i thought i was gonna have a hard time with this but i kind of latched on to someone um i'm still kind of setting mine in the in the south mm-hmm. so but the thing is is even in the south you know, like we grew up in the South, but we don't sound like it. Yeah, you can have all kinds of different people everywhere now. That's the the great thing about uh, uh, our world today. I I kind of wanted somebody who maybe had grown up in that town and lived there and sort of had the accent. And there are a lot of actresses who are from the South, but this woman has proven that she can do a Southern accent. And now she's about the right age for Aunt B. I went with Sally Fields. Oh, yeah. Definitely had that southern accent in um, Forrest Gump. Yep. And, yeah, she's kind of got a uh, sweet Aunt B kind of feel, sweet Aunt May, because uh-huh. she was Aunt May in the second version of uh, the Spider-Man movies. There you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally cool with uh, with Sally Field. I think she's a great actress. She's definitely a bigger actress than who I went with. Okay. But I think she would, uh, she would kill it. Cool. Yeah, I think... I, 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 for some reason, I ended up going with a lot of big names, mm-hmm. which you know you probably wouldn't do if you were really recasting a sitcom or something similar. Yeah. So who did you go with? Uh, I went with a, an actress who I think yeah fits right into the time that I would want, and she's kind of honestly I think it has a look that fits with an Aunt B or kind of with like the older other Aunt B. She has been in just a bunch of different types of movies, and yeah, I I. I I'm sure you've seen her on something. Um, she voiced uh, Miss Ma Beagle in the uh, more recent DuckTales show, but but um, I remember actually very thoroughly in the uh, BoJack Horseman series. So she does some <laughs> voice stuff too, but she is a character actress who has done everything from the Americans to Sneaky Pete to other just like silly, some other ridiculous... The Dewey Cox movie, she is can be used in anything you want, and I think she's a fantastic character actress. Her name is Margot Martindale. Oh, she does look familiar. 
Yeah, she's. I mean, she has been like the background or a side character in tons of movies, and she's just she's strong. She's strong in pretty much everything. So I wanted to give uh, Margaret Martindale some love. That's a that's a that's a good unexpected pick. Okay, hundred and twenty five yeah. acting credits. Yeah, on yeah IMDb. she's solid. She's solid. Absolutely. So I I'm all I'm all for that. Okay. Cool. All right, Opie. Yay. Now I asked you if you wanted <laughs> to do this, and you said sure. If there's you gotta have an Opie, right? You really do have to have an Opie. However, I really wanted my kid to be a little kid, and I had a hell of a time yeah. trying to find one. But who did you go with? Uh, the, the only like kind of main switch I wanted with this one is I wanted Opie to be a girl okay. this time. I said let's swap Opie to uh, a little cute girl because then you kind of get like that single father because the wife mm-hmm. died and now he has to take care of his little girl and there's you know there's something with that too. So yeah, I looked up a couple different kids, but ultimately I went to a standby who I've used before. She's around nine right now and this maybe it's a little bit older than I'd want, but it'd be fine. Um, I went with Lexi Rabe. I love you three thousand uh, from Endgame. Oh yeah, good call. She, I, I enjoyed her in that movie. She's, she's been doing good. She's a cute little kid, and I think she would, uh, she'd, she'd be able to be a great Opie. I don't know. I stuck with a boy. I had a very hard time finding one of the younger ages, like who was in anything that I could remember. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going with a kid who is actually just, uh, he's ten. He, he is also older than I because I want that, I want that little kid, yeah, dynamic. That you get from like you know five and six year olds. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's proven himself uh, on the show Modern Family. Uh, I went with Jerry, Jeremy Maguire. I don't know this kid. I've not seen recent Modern Family. I stopped after like season three or four. But if he's been on that sitcom for, he was on for five years, ninety one episodes. He could and now he's on this Turner and Hoot show. I am dead certain he would be able to be a perfect little Opie. Okay. All right. Okay. Our big boys. He's uh, a cute little kid. Yeah, cool. he's cute enough. I I didn't. I've never really watched Martin Family. Yeah, uh, just an episode here or there. All right, Barney Fife, another kind of goofball character, but he's still got to be the deputy. I jumped around with a couple of different actors, but ultimately I kind of went on a went to a, like an old standby for me uh, right. for actors who can be serious when you need them to be serious, can be very funny when you need them to be funny. Is has has been very good in most of the things I've ever seen him in. I went with Michael Pena. He's a fantastic sidekick actor. He's great, very comedic. In your bigger name, I'm, I'm all for that, you know? I, I feel like I'm just, I just take the characters from the MCU and <laughs> insert him into this as yeah. Barney Fife. Because, uh, yeah. I mean, that, that sort of idiotic goofball things is kind of what the Barney Fife character is. So yeah. maybe maybe this is how I introduce... Andy Griffith show into the MCU. <laughs> there you go. That's the one. That's the way to do it. Just make him the sheriff. Part of the multiverse. You know <laughs> what? It's a, it's in there. <laughs> so I'm cool with that. All right, cool. Uh, who did you go with? Uh, I went with a actor who uh, ha- kind of has like the scrawny quality, similar mm-hmm. to uh, Don Knotts, and he has been a very endearing and comedic kind of side character before. And you have to have like that endearing quality where you're, you know, yeah, he's going to he's clumsy and he's going to be a goof and he's maybe not the smartest guy. Um, Though this actor, when he's kind of played this kind of character, he was much more intelligent and kind of like, you know, almost insanely intelligent with some of his scheming not really scheming, but stuff like that. But he can he can do comedy stuff really well. I went with Danny Putty 
uh, from Community. I have seen a few episodes of Community. I actually thought it was hilarious, mm-hmm. but I never uh, actually got into watching it full time. But I absolutely recognize the actor. Oh, he's also on DuckTales. I see that too. Yeah, he's Huey. <laughs> okay, interesting. I think he look. He's definitely got a good look for a Barney Fife, and he's yeah. definitely funny. Yeah. So that I think you're. I think you're doing a very good job of of taking a show and and filling it with kind of not lesser knowns, but like uh-huh. kind of not. I don't want to insult them by saying like second tier actors or something. No, but they're like strong that, but. TV actors. I yeah, mean, strong people, TV yeah. actors, character actors, that sort yeah. of thing. Yep. Okay. Cool. Uh, all right, Andy Taylor. Our big sheriff, Adam, hit me with your best shot. So, Andy Taylor, you got to have someone who can lead a show. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have to be somewhat of a name, but they also have to be very, you know, they're the straight every man, but there's a loving quality. You have to appreciate Andy Taylor. And thanks to you, I was able to watch this show and I couldn't think of a better Andy Taylor uh, than the guy who plays Ted Lasso. And I think he is just one of the more endearing characters I've seen uh, in mm-hmm. recent television. And I think he would do a fantastic job. And we know he can lead a show. I went with Jason Sudeikis. That's a fantastic call. Okay. I really like that. Man. And he's funny, so he can be funny, he can be straight. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, how good is Ted Lasso? Dude, I, I, I might need to sign up for T, uh, Apple TV Plus because I don't have it. <laughs> and so it's like, fuck, I, I might need to do it because I really want to see season two that I haven't watched yet. Oh, you haven't watched that? No. Uh, our sister, when she came back for uh, uh, Christmas, she was already halfway through season two by the time uh, she got back to us. Nice. So she finished out the, the series while she was here. Very cool. I mean, that, that show won so many Emmys. They basically swept a lot of the actors categories and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I think that's a that's a fantastic call. Yep. You could totally trust him in a role that's as iconic as that. Yeah. I went with a big name actor, but Andy Taylor doesn't need to be terribly funny, but this guy can be funny. I think he's I found him to be more funny in real life than he is in his roles. Okay. But I think this would be a chance for him to be more himself. Andy Taylor, he's from the South. I wanted someone from the South. There is no other actor that still sounds like he's from the South other than Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> he does. Boy, he does. So maybe this is set into a small Texas town. Yeah. Uh, however you want to do it. And, w- and we've seen him play a sheriff. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, we've seen him. <laughs> I feel like it's been multiple times, but definitely in Lone Star now. He's a very different type of sheriff. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I like it. It is. It is. You, you're right. It's. I mean, he's done. He did. Uh, what was that HBO miniseries? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, True Detective. He- yeah. Um, so he's done like stuff like that before. You know, granted, he hasn't done like series. I've seen, haven't seen him do like a series. So maybe if you did right. like a uh, <laughs> a gritty HBO style mini series <laughs> of Mayberry. Uh, but even so, he's a he's a fantastic actor, and I don't really give him enough credit for some of the stuff because we just think back to the all right, all right, all right. But the thing <laughs> is, like, he has done some incredible dramatic roles. Um, think you know Dallas Buyers Club. Uh, think um, not Inception. The um, the other Christopher Nolan movie that he was in, I can't remember. Oh, the one that gets the space not Interspace, uh, Interstellar, Interstellar. Interstellar, yes, Interstellar. Um, but also, you know, Magic go back Mike. to some of his older stuff, and he'll do comedy. You think of the, all the romantic comedies that he was in, yes, and true. stuff like that. So the guy has got range. If you put him in that role, he would do a fantastic job. So okay. I'm cool with that. Uh, all right, uh, a little bit of a shorter episode today, but uh, it wasn't too much to talk about, which is fair. Ultimately, I was glad to go back and revisit all these things. 
glad is not the word I would have used for the movie, <laughs> at least. But I do think it evened out with how much I appreciated the Andy Griffith show, and I really did enjoy this casting. Okay. All right, and that was our recast of The Andy Griffith Show. Please join us next time for another Top 10 episode. John and I get together and rank our Top 10 favorite blues songs. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then... Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking back.